Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I will stay on target. Stay on target. Yes. Are you hitting your projections, Musa? <laughs> I am actually. Are you? I am. I am. Oh, yeah. Wow. I am. Well, that's about. staying in. Do you know what? Keep it in. Let people see behind the veil. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am bloody great. Thanks, Musa. Good, good. Good to that enthusiasm. <laughs> a couple of listeners have noticed. They're like, oh, he's, he's not flying with the usual Vim. So there we are. There's some Vim for you, listeners. Indiana Pacers beat a team in the Eastern Conference for the first time in two months last night. So that's great. <laughs> You're up watching that? Uh, no, I just watched it this morning. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah, that's... How are you? Very well, indeed. Very well. All the better for the return of the Champions League. What a segue that was. Sing the song. Sing the song. The champions! <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is tonight, though? Yes. <laughs> that is... Da, na, 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 na. <laughs> you can't resist it. Introduce <laughs> <laughs> some admin. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Obviously, getting vaccinated if you can. Wrighty's house went up this week on Wednesday. Flo and I joined Wrighty and we talked about Premier League top four race. Newcastle United, bit of relegation stuff, Kieran Trippier, and a little bit about when Wrighty signed for Burnley, which was fun, and some Lionesses chat ahead of uh, their game tonight against Canada in the Arnold Clark Cup. So that's on the Ringer FC feed now. Leah Williamson, captain. Oh yeah, Leah Williamson, captain for the, that got announced literally just after we recorded, so. You see that? You see how good the podcast is? Thanks, England. For career prospects. England. I'm hoping I'll be named captain of something. Following my appearances on Stadio? Um, Captain Obvious. 
Oh my god. Uh, why do I keep walking into these? Listen, let's talk about football. This is bigger than me. <laughs> is it? I think that's the first That's incredible. the first admission that this is bigger than you, Bruce. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna go by um social media reach, Stadio is not bigger than Musa Gwanga. Musa Gwanga yeah, is not very yet. much the franchise player in a very small market. Throwing his weight and around. I with went all the, undrafted. With all the ego. <laughs> <laughs> Stadio Archer's playing on Spotify if you want to listen to all the music we play on each episode. Actually, on that, we also made a playlist of all of our What If episodes going all the way back to March 2020. And I think that's all the admin. All good, yep. I swear there was something I was going to shout out and I've forgotten. Oh, well. If I it remember, I'll, uh, I'll record yep. it and overdub it in so you might hear it now. Guess I didn't forget anything. <laughs> all right, so today we're going to talk about the Champions League. We are. We'll go through all the games, all four of them. I quite like it when they're spaced out, actually. For podcast stuff, for, for pure entertainment, I quite like it when all the Champions League happens at once because it's just it's chaos, you know? <laughs> I actually quite like spreading it out, I have to say. Maybe it's my advancing it's for, years. It's good for podcast recording because, you know, you can just focus on all the games at once. Mm. Or each, each, sorry, all the games when they happen. Spaces them out quite nice. But yeah, then we'll talk a little bit about Atleti against Levante and we'll touch on Manchester United, Brighton. And I reckon that's everything. Sounds good. Let's get going. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, mate, should we begin in the part de France? We shall. Paris Saint-Germain won, Real Madrid nil. Yes. Mbappe with the late, late, late goal. That's the headline. The game itself, we should have expected this. Actually, we knew what this was. I was looking at this game and I was watching, I suppose, I wouldn't say it was a lack of intensity. It wasn't that. It was just that a team set up like Real Madrid are almost inviting you to beat them. And there was almost a process of containment. Now, caveats, Real Madrid, Benzema was up front and not fully fit. In his absence, you know, Real Madrid just looked entirely different, of course. Either side of him, Asensio and Vinicius. And Vinicius, again, in Benzema's absence, looking slightly more isolated because they have such a great dynamic that he's always going to miss someone like that. And then the Madrid midfield, Modric, Cruz, Casemiro, that essentially has been picking itself for the best part of the last decade, I would say. Mm. But that midfield is a reactive one. It's not going to destroy you with pace. What it will do is it will advance up the pitch with good playing out from the back and then try to encroach in the edge of your box if you don't counter punch. Now, the thing about the counterpunch was that Kylian Mbappe throughout was 
outstanding. He really and was. And there was yeah. a funny thing actually that happens with Mbappe where the coverage, he has single coverage at the very beginning of the game. And then you start seeing rounded players drop deeper and deeper. So by the end, by the time Carvajal goes off, there's basically three people occupying that lane at any one time. It looked like the equivalent. You know what it looked like? It looked like one of those, um, it looked like an action movie where they're blocking the runway, where, where the fighter plane is about to get away and all they can do is just like block the runway with vehicles. It just felt like that actually at a certain point. I mean, Mbappe, I would say Mbappe, Verratti, and to a lesser extent Marquinhos just absolutely, I think, ran this game. Yeah, they really did actually. I thought Danny Carvajal had a, a very, very tough evening. It was tough. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was, he wasn't bad, but it was tough, right? Like he, I don't think he was necessarily bad. It was just. Mm, no, I, I always find it really interesting when the round of 16 comes back because mm. you get a lot of people who only really watch these kind of players mm. in the Champions League. Right. And it is, and quite often they can just come alive in the Champions League, players like right. this. I think for PSG, they're in such a curious position because even though they haven't been unbelievable in Liga, they're still mm. cruising out in front. Mbappe's not been unbelievable this season. He no. struggled quite a lot last season as well. He actually had a patch of form last season where he was really quite poor. Mm. I'm going to throw a basketball analogy in there, but like Liga for PSG at the moment, this season is very much like regular season and they're just waiting for the playoffs. When the Champions League comes round, that's where they really have to kind of kickstart. And I think it could be a really tricky mentality to to get into where you have to switch on and switch off again in terms of intensity. I found it quite strange overall just because I could see what Ancelotti was trying to do here. I think he knew that Benzema wasn't fully fit and that they had to try and absorb as much as possible. And if they were going to get a a chance, I think that's why Benzema starts instead of Jovic actually. Mm. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. but But tactically, if you look at what this PSG will do, they will hurt you with pace on the break. And that was yes. where Mbappe had all of his joy when PSG were breaking forward and he could, like when, when Mbappe has space to run into and isolate defenders one-on-one, you're done, Horrible. you're toast. Horrible. Yep. You are better against PSG mm. sitting deep and absorbing because even though Messi is amazing at threading passes and they have some really good ball players in that side, you can at least then contain the problem and I think against PSG, if you could build solidly at the back and then hit them with pace going forward, that's when you're most likely going to hurt them Agreed. because that Agreed. back four can be got at. You know, as good as Marquinhos is, Kimpembe, who actually I think was quite impressive was quite good. Tuesday, I was, was better than I thought. Yeah, yeah, better than I thought he'd be. But that's as, as solid as I've seen him play in the Champions League. Yeah. I'm being very, very flip-floppy here. What I'm saying is like, I could understand what Ancelotti was doing Mm. But also I wonder whether starting Benzema was the best idea. This is the thing I think it was because Benzema started up top because there's two things he gives you. The chemistry with Vinicius on the counter. True. And the first line of defence. If you don't start... Yeah, so Jovic can play link-up, but I'm not sure how good his defensive qualities are compared to Benzema. Benzema is in a league by himself. Benzema, he's basically your first line of defence. And against the deep line midfield, you need a first barrier. Similar to what Mm. Drogba did, the self-sacrificial role. right? And you take him out, you put in Bale, you put in Jovic, you're basically inviting pressure on a midfield that won't get forward. And you see like someone like Luka Modric, his movement's so interesting. When someone like Benzema is in front of him, he's really emboldened to get forward because he knows that he'll be protected if he's caught high up. 
And without Benzema, there's no protection. Here's the thing. Those tactics very, very nearly worked. They very nearly yeah, worked. I mean, this is the thing. Goal. It's a single goal. Exactly. And this is, the problem with Real is, again, they're going to invite you to beat them, but that reactive strategy only gets you so far. And I don't think it wins the Champions League this year. I just think there's too many teams this year who have the firepower that Real now, they're in a bit of, you know, they, they make hard work of scoring goals. That's the thing, Ryan. They make yeah, I mean, they're not as free-flowing as they have been. They're just not. It's got four, just 48 not. in La Liga in 24 games. That's why I was a bit confused about the, maybe we'll talk about it later, but I was a bit confused mm. about how quickly, like it was barely half time and people were talking about how scrapping away goals was a massive mistake. Meanwhile, in the other game, Man City were already like 3-0 up. Yes. <laughs> away from home, 4-0 up. Even with away goals, I don't think Real Madrid changed their... I, th- I think they play exactly the same because what they were oh hoping goodness. for yeah, was to def- kind of definitely. keep a clean sheet and nick a goal. Yeah, absolutely. People were doing yeah. that all the time in the way go- when, when away goals was there. That, I'm not like an away goals evangelist or anything like that. Mm. I, th- I, I would, to be honest, I was very unsure. I actually found a tweet that I wrote when they got rid of away goals. The first mm. one was basically saying like, taking away goals uh, or get, scrapping the away goals rule the first season that Arsenal don't make it into Europe for the first time in however long is like elite level trolling. <laughs> and then secondly, like I just didn't, you didn't know how this was going to go because this is a tactic that has been, or a system that's been in place for decades. So long, yeah. yeah. It's going to take time for people to shift their kind of psychological and tactical philosophy, for want of a better word, mm. through those first legs. People were literally debating the away goals rule 45 minutes into the first game in the knockout stage of the Champions League since it's been scrapped. So I was like, maybe guys, like I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're right either, but maybe it might be worth gathering a little bit more data first before we can kind of make, make a judgment. An informed no. decision, an informed debate. But like yeah. I said, I don't think away goals changes the way that Real Madrid try and play in that game. Not in this game, no. No, I don't think so. So we're poor in an attacking sense for sure, but I think that's because if Real Madrid completely opened up against PSG, PSG would torch them on the break. And you saw them torch them on the break a few times and they could have been, you know, they got that penalty. Messi missed the penalty. Well, Courtois saved Messi's penalty. Can I say this about Messi's penalty? I've never seen a penalty more likely to be saved from Messi than that one. Should have been thinking it. <laughs> Where's the lie? Courtois committed. Where's the lie? Messi, Messi's great at Penenka's. Should have been thinking it. Courtois went early and low. It was great save. Messi great actually save, was, yeah. Messi was just not very good. I just don't like Messi in this team. I've no, and I don't think Messi likes Messi start. in this team. No, he was yeah, poor. I just don't and like the, him. the thing about him, the thing about him was, you saw in moments. I think his greatest moment of quality came very late on, where he um, lifts it through a very small gap for Neymar, who puts it almost against the bar um, from a narrow mm-hmm. angle. That was the real quality there. And there's a couple of little moments and touches where you see him do that, and you just think, "Gosh, you're just it. Just none of this. None of this works." None of it works. Someone actually said, someone replied to me and said, ah, oh, he should have gone to City. And I was like, to be honest, yeah, he probably, probably. should. He probably should, actually. Um, he'd be having a lot more fun. Uh, he'd been playing better, I think. There's just, there's no soul in, in these performances. You know, there's no soul in them. Yeah, um, but I think that's understandable. When you have someone who's been at a club for so long, mm. it's synonymous with that football club and no one ever thought would ever leave and it, unless they went to play for Newell's at the end of their career, which was more of a romantic thing. This messy thing is always going to have that, that kind of cloud. I think that's right. Yeah. And that's not even a knock on him. You, you look at it and you just think this doesn't look like someone enjoying this experience. It's a little bit different, but well, it's mm. very different, but it, it's why like Kevin Durant 
just never really got the love when he went to Golden State because Golden, right. uh, Golden State had already won. You know, he went there to win. And Messi has gone to PSG to win the Champions League. You know, they were what, finalists two years ago. Mm. He, he even said when he moved there, like, I want to win the Champions League again. It's very much kind of like, okay, Messi in theory helps us win the Champions League because you've got arguably the greatest player of all time. The most recent Ballon d'Or winner, whether you agree with that or not, but he's in the side. You say a side that goes to the Champions League final or deep in the Champions League for the last few years and then you add Lionel, Lionel Messi into that piece, you'd kind of, into that squad, you'd say that they are better for it in theory. But it's just chemistry. Um, I think he had, I thought he had some good moments though. I yeah, think- he, did. he did. Oh yeah, yeah. He always has some good moments. I'd be concerned if I was PSG though, to be honest, because this gamble, this gamble, if and when Mbappe leaves, PSG look very, very, very ordinary, very fast. And this team without Mbappe is not winning the Champions League. It's just not. It's not right. Like, ageing Messi, obviously. Um, Injury-prone Neymar, you know, in and out. That's not, you know, not blaming him for the injuries. That is, that is what it is. Um, but also Neymar's lost, still very good, but he's lost that thing, right? He's lost some of it, whatever it is. So you look at those attacking pieces, Di Maria, Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe. Mbappe is the one who is most consistently lighting things up. And if he's gone, he's the catalyst for that. If he's gone, PSG are in a bit of a rebuilding phase, I think. The, well, that's the thing, because you have the future gone. Like, because right. Mbappe is the future. Mbappe, right. you know, Neymar's 30 already, which seems bizarre. It's wild, yeah. Um, yeah. Probably the one of the biggest cases of Walcott's law. Yes. In a long, long time. You're losing the person that you should be building the future around. On and off the field, yeah. And that for PSG is a struggle because yeah. I don't know why we're saying this. They've just won the game, but... Yeah, but you're looking ahead though because this is how they should be yeah, seeing because it. Yeah, because this is, this is how important Kylian Mbappe is to this side. To the specific run as well, yeah. That is two injury time winners in two straight games in the league and in the Champions League. Games that were nil-nil before he scored. This isn't a PSG that are blowing teams. Like even, even in, in Liga, really, like I think a sign of, of, of how important it is this year for PSG are, you know, like the banners at the stadium the other day. Like fans aren't particularly happy here. Mm. There are a load of banners up where they were saying, it was saying stuff like, um, this won't be exactly what they're saying, but they we sing for soulless players stuff like criticising the kit. It didn't really get covered in English media, I don't think, but there, mm. there was a massive pushback on that kit this year because that's not the PSG, PSG don't play in all Navy shirts. Right. They have a very iconic design. Right. Yes, it's been tinkered with. And also, we've talked about kit stuff however many times, but when you have to come up with a new home kit every single season and it's built around an iconic design, it's like you're going to run out of things to do. PSG get a lot of criticism and fairly outside of France and in France. But one thing I think is, is key to point out is that PSG fans are incredible. Like the way they support the team, the way they support the women's team as well. The ultras are like always present at the women's games as well. They really care about this football club. Nothing has changed for them just because they have multi, multi, multi-million pound players on the field. Mm. Even they are cr- criticising the lack of soul around that club. Yeah, that's a really interesting point and something that they deserve credit for as well because they're not just there to win everything. They want identity because PSG was always such an iconic club. 
for quite a young club because it is quite a young club comparatively. And I think it's really interesting that even with everything that they have, the fans are still trying to hold the club account for the values or, or the kind of the values. I would say sometimes, especially with the things you have, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Sometimes, especially with the things you have, you're like, it's more important than ever to to work out why we're all here, what we're here for. You know, and mm. the soullessness, you know, you speak about that. That's interesting because if you look at the league table, you'll get the impression that they've just been cruising PSG, but they really haven't. Yeah, How many games have we seen out, yeah. scraping wins, you know, brilliantly organized teams coming up against them who are absolutely outmatched, but tactically have been superb, so well coached. Some of the best coaching we've seen in Liga this season has come in losing games against PSG. They've had a couple of big wins recently. Like the Lille, yeah. Beat, yeah, they beat Lille 5-1 away, but I mean, Lille have been struggling yeah. quite a lot this season. But Shout out to Troy, who always seemed to troll them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they only beat them 2-1, right? That's a, yeah, that's a, that, they're a good, they're good matchup for some reason. So how do you think this looks ahead of the second leg? It sounds like we've really gone after PSG here and they did win the game, but, and I think they were deserved winners for sure. And this is, this is a different this, this isn't is so much different. no but this is let me just this isn't so much going after this is more about I suppose I want to make the, make the point that this I think this feels like a kind of last chance saloon for them this run is this a season. big run for them yeah this season I suppose that's the point really. yeah this season is massive this was a huge win for them all respect to them for this win this is a I really respect this win this is against a team with superb pedigree it's actually one of the more complete remedied sides we've seen in terms of every single player I would say with the exception of Asensio, I would say every single player looks entirely comfortable in their specific role. Um, I mean, Asensio never Carvel on, on Tuesday. Oh yeah, so. but you know, can I say this? Yeah, but Carvel, some nights you just get it. Some nights yeah, yeah. you get it. And also it's killing Mbappe. It's not like... Right, exactly. It's not Nicholas Bentner playing left wing. This is reminiscent of going back in time to the beginning of Real's run, the three in a row. You see that game? They don't play out from the back through Carver, how they play out from the back through Marcelo. It was the switch mm. from Ramos to Marcelo and they played out down the left simply because, to use the coin and Ian Wright phrase, simply because the pressure down that flank was acknowledged to be overwhelming. That's mm. it. And that, there's no judgment on Carver held there. It's just, it is what it is. It's Mbappe in a mood like that was spectacular. So he earns the penalty actually off Carver Howe. Yeah. Having gone at him all night, Carver Howe gets taken off and then he goes after the replacement. <laughs> And that's it. It's good night. And it was funny because I saw, you know, the moment the goal gets, because I think Vasquez was playing the right back position and Vasquez mm-hmm. actually is a really, actually a really good right back. If Vasquez just played as a right back from the start of his career, you'd be like, yeah, perfectly good player. There's a moment where, I don't know if it wasn't sure it was Militao, one of the players like pounds the ground in frustration. Mm. And they were like, oh, and they were like all frustrated. They're pounding the earth. I just thought, what, what did you think you were actually going to do? Like, this is Mbappe. This is what he does. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's not personal. It's not personal, lads. In Real Madrid didn't register a shot on target. They had three shots in total. Mm. Ancelotti's obviously going to come in for some criticism because of that. And I know they're, they're not really happy back in Madrid, but I don't think this ties anywhere near over. This is the thing, like Real Madrid in the Champions League at the Bernabeu, it's a different, they can be different. And, and I think keeping in the tie was yeah. absolutely integral. Like, it's a single goal. Those fans who go, oh, you should open up and play your game. Look what happened to sporting. Okay? You yeah, open up but, and play. Yeah. But just quickly, this actually was a really interesting thing on the away goals rule, which I think you might see. I think mm. the reason that people can keep it tight in the first leg now, because even if you go a goal down in the, in the first leg, if you're playing away from home, that means that 
losing you know like, that winning they two, score, winning it two one, it, yeah, it doesn't kill you in the second leg. So bingo, exactly. That's, so you might actually get completely wild second legs. Yeah. Which, to be honest, you kind of always got anyway in Champions League, unless it was like four nil from the first leg. Absolutely, yeah. I think PSG will be happy with that, obviously, because it was a late win. I think if they step back from it and look at the dominance that they had or the chances that they had, I think they would have loved to have stuck a couple more past Real Madrid and really kind of made it difficult for them in the second leg. But we'll yeah. see. I think the second leg is going to be amazing, though. I agree. I agree. Uh, let's move to the other game from Tuesday, which was, like you mentioned, free-flowing sporting against Manchester City. Pep wasn't happy. A few players underperformed, he said. So Pep. It's like, Pep... Just let it go for now. Pep don't kill my vibe. Pep don't kill my vibe. Man City, 4-0 at the half. City were just, they were just excellent though. This is the thing. We've spoken, well, I've spoken at length about the lack of a striker. Mm. But frankly, they're doing all the things. You look at the movement, for example, for you know Foden's goal and the movement to the near post. Those are all the things an elite poacher should be doing anyway. And just the way that they, they absolutely smother you, don't they, City? Mm. Just the passing patterns, the range. I mean, there's not a huge amount to say about this performance just because we've seen it from them. This is not to disrespect them. We've just seen this level of quality so often. You see the city, city opening goal, for example, and just the way they recycle the ball. By the time it gets laid back, I mean, the, the way it gets laid back from De Bruyne to Mares, and Mares's first time finish is actually slightly underrated, I think. Just because yeah, I, you I think, agree. yeah, that, just the speed that he just punches it. It's a very simple one. It's almost like a kind of, it's like playing doubles, like, you know, just like, it's like a volley into an open court. Um, it's so, so simple, the finish. The highlight of this game, Bernardo Silva's astonishing half volley, which he makes look incredibly easy for the second goal. Sorry, sorry. This goal, this goal, right? It's unbelievable. I know purists might be moaning or might bemoan the fact that uh, Adan got um, Antonio Adan got a touch on it, but I actually think he deserves a huge amount of props, Adam, because he is clearly aware that goals off the bar are thirty two point five percent better. They are. And he wanted they to are. make sure that this true. went in off the bar, so he just gave it a little. I think he should be credited with the assist, actually. He should. <laughs> It's such this a good goal. goal. Was it's so unbelievable. Good. The technique is unreal. It kind of bounces up and it's almost just like upper shin height, which the control on that to generate that much power is absolutely unbelievable. That shouldn't unbelievable. go anywhere near the target. Yeah, it shouldn't go near the target. It shouldn't. Then there's, there's, one, there's, there's one other thing that... So in the other game, like, Thiago hits this half volley for Liverpool against Inter that goes narrowly over the bar. That ball had no business going anywhere near the goal. It's so difficult to control a strike like that. And it was in the kind of same margin of difficulty as Bernardo's, right? The difference is so Bernardo good. catches it so flush. Like, you have to re-watch it three or four times to understand exactly what's happened there in terms of the physics of it. Like, if you pause that the moment before he hits it, see that kind of strike in European football. If you take like a thousand efforts on goal from that angle across European football, and pause them just before and ask the supporters to guess where that ball goes. The majority of them will be like, oh, that'll go like four or five feet over, but everyone will clap, like good effort, whatever. Like the majority of those will go 10 feet over the bar. They will not yeah, go anywhere a, near the goal. Like they just It's a good don't. job it went above Adam's head because if it was directly on, it would have taken his bloody head off. It would have, it would have absolutely. so hard. Or he would have a very, very sore head this morning. Exactly. Uh, would you like some stats? Yes, please. Manchester City broke a load of records in this game. 
My goodness. 4-0 at half-time. No other side has ever gone into the break ahead by such a margin in a Champions League knockout game before. Goodness. They equaled their biggest away win in the competition. They are the first team in Champions League history to win five consecutive away games in the knockout stages. Wow. And it was City's 200th goal in the Champions League. And they are the fastest side to reach 200 goals in the competition with 97 games. You know, I know they have a ridiculous amount of resources. And I think that's actually obscured how good this City team is. Because as we've seen across the City, Manchester United have spent a hell of a lot of money in the same time that City have been spending money. Mm-hmm. And the results have been vastly different. And I suppose the point I'm really making is it is not an automatic given that you spend a huge amount of money on a team and it performs to this level. What City are doing is extraordinary. What Pep is doing, I looked at the, um, I was looking at Bernardo Silva's honours since he arrived at City and he's already won the Premier League three times. And I'm like, what? Have I forgotten one of those? Like it's, it's, they've almost like created these, they've created a level of dominance that is so sustained you're like, because I looked at that and thought to myself, hang on a minute. It's mad. Liverpool, Conte's Chelsea Liverpool been, yeah. and Liverpool, and Klopp's Liverpool. Klopp's Liverpool. Are the like, only two sides who have won the Premier League since Pep's been there. There is Pep. no other, right, there's no other league. I was watching Liverpool against Inter and thinking, my God, there's no other team in the world that beats Liverpool over the course of a league campaign. There isn't. There is not. And it just so happens that it happens to be City in the Premier League. But without, without honestly, without Pep there, Klopp wins three in a row. It's that straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Even with that, all of the investment, I think. And I'm saying Even this like, with all the I'm, investment. Bingo. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying this because I'm like, uh, look, we know about the money, the source of money, everything else. Yeah. We know all that. But just in terms of the football, what CRT are doing is basically it's destined to be, and maybe doomed, maybe this is the deal that they made when they took over, but it's destined to be, it's doomed to be underappreciated and underrated because what Pep is doing is, is actually extraordinary. It's, you know, yeah, man. I mean, who the fuck wears D-squared rollnecks in the Champions League knockout <laughs> face? To be honest, I, I, I got to say, I quite like the fits. I did like the fits. Tell you what fits I did like. Are we going to talk about Salz- Salzburg? Red Bull Salzburg against Bayern. Oh, quickly, quickly before we move on though, uh, Raheem yep. Sterling moved into the top 10 city, city goal scorers of all time. With a stunning which, strike. And can I, say, can I say this as well? There was a pundit who shall remain unnamed you said that Raheem Sterling couldn't kick a football. Do you remember that? This is someone who's received a lot of criticism over the time. Yeah, but shout out to Sterling. Really impressive. I think sometimes yeah, amazing, man. when you've been doing it for that long, you get underappreciated, but um, not in this parish. He is very much appreciated in this parish. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Let's go to the Royal Neck Derby. Let's do it. <laughs> As Jonathan Harding called it. <laughs> it did Shout he? out to Jonathan. Yeah, he did. That. He did. Shout out to Jonathan. Oh. I was crying when I saw that. He's always one step ahead of me. Likewise, likewise. Rebel Salzburg won. FC Bayern won. I think Salzburg will be kicking themselves here. They will. They should. They should. They yeah. really yeah. should be. They should have been 2 0 up before Bayern got back into it at the end. Adama um, got that chance the second, didn't he? He got a great opener. Yeah. Gorgeous, Lovely gorgeous goal. opening goal. Superb first time finish. Again, a finish. I, I passed Ulreich in the Bayern goal, but I, I doubt Neuer saves that, to be honest. Um, we don't have great, to say great this opener. every time someone scores against Bayern, do we? Well, is we that, do. Is we that do. In the contract? We, do you know? Do you know? I think I have to say it. Do you know? I think I have to say it because his absence is such a huge thing for Bayern. Mm. And at the same time, I don't think the main problems are his absence, the defensive challenges for Bayern. The central defensive area is a problem. They're losing Nicolas Sula. Upamakana doesn't start because he was poor in recent games. There's a little bit of a challenge there for Bayern. Maybe not in the league, but in the centre of that defence in the course of a Champions League campaign, it's going to cost you. I've mentioned before that Brendan Aronson is my favourite young American player. I think he's a superb playmaker. I think it was at Philadelphia before he came to mm. Salzburg. I love that move for him because it's a place he can go and develop. He was impressive against Bayern and Salzburg, you know, for the first half, I would say at least, the second half Bayern came and did Bavaria. Big yeah, they, Bavarian, they, started to look, big, they started to look a bit knackered, big, didn't they? Big Bavarian energy second half, but mm. first half in particular, Salzburg, really impressive, I thought, and just beautifully coached. Do you want to hear something fun? Yeah, go for it. Adamu's goal in the 21st minute was the earliest by a substitute in the Champions League since Thierry Henry in 2005. Oh my God, I love, he came on after 10 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, Very yeah. early. Yeah, yeah. From a neutral perspective, it's a real shame that Coleman got that equaliser back for Bayern because I still think Bayern will probably stick like three or four past them in the in the second right, which leg, we, which we yeah we expect, which we kind of think will not will happen. But um, I wanted a famous victory. If they get that second one, it's really tricky for Bayern because the way that Bayern were playing, even though they were kind of starting to assert a little bit more control, you've seen it a few times with Bayern this year that when they don't have things their own way, their heads can go down. Players start Quite shouting at each other. Quickly. Yeah, there's a bit of, it gets a little bit stroppy in there sometimes. Players start shouting each other. Players who've won lots of things with this club are like, we've won lots of things. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, listen, my German sign language is not perfect, but what I'm seeing is, we've won lots of this club. We've been winning lots before you got here. <laughs> We're not winning now you're here. These are the kinds of conversations that are happening based on my limited knowledge of German. Fast clubs do. Yeah, best. exactly. <laughs> we haven't shown so few gewonnen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and words of that nature. How do you like How do you like Du hast gar nichts bei uns getan. German trash talk. This is a situation where I think Bayern could have disintegrated, but the one will draw. They're out of jail. They go back to the Allianz. And I think it's good night. That's not disrespect. I think that what Salzburg can do usefully in the second tie is play, just look at the first half, look what they did in the first half and go at them again and really go at them. If you, and that, I think a really useful, a really indicative thing to do is use the, the Leipzig Bayern, the three all as a template, mm. the way they just go at the heart of that Bayern team and specifically target the centre-backs because that's where the weakness is. You're looking at the team sheet, the way they're changing things around go at the centre-backs, exploit that gap between the centre-backs and defensive midfielders because there's not chemistry there, right? Mm. And luckily, actually, this is the thing about Salzburg, their skill set 
their greatest strengths match up directly with Bayern's weaknesses. So just yeah, yeah. go at them again. Second leg's going to be fun, man. And also maybe we'll talk about him more after the second leg, but Matthias Eisler is absolutely nailed on to be RB Leipzig coach at some point. He's going to be in the Bundesliga and he's, he's only 33, remember. Former Hoffenheim defender. And is basically, apart from that stint at Bromby as assistant, he's been really put through the 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 red the ball fast track the kind of machine. yeah he did he coached in the youth team went to Liefering the kind of feeder club in the second division in Austria and is now Red Bull Salzburg head coach he co- well he coached them he coached them beautifully the other night he really did he's a good coach man really really good yeah and um yeah it was it was quite funny seeing two managers that have had very let's say similar paths about them maybe Barb Nagelsmann didn't go to Austria obviously for coaching but Mm. Young managers, they both rock up wearing roll necks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, should we talk about the other game from Thursday, uh, from Wednesday? Yeah, let's do it. Inter nil, Liverpool two. This game, this game, this was the most Inter 2010 performance that Liverpool could have produced. This felt like a tribute act. There was so much that I loved about this game, actually. Not because it was thrilling in an eventual sense, but because you could see the chess moves from both mm. like there was a moment where you watch them playing out from the back and it was almost parody the thing about playing out from the back successfully you have to exist on the verge of self-parody like some of the passes you play out there's a pass that Alisson plays into the feet of either Van Dijk or was it Canate I'm not sure on the edge of his own box and there are two interplayers pressing and the reason that pass is played is because you know that if you execute that pass successfully in play out you've drawn in all the um all the attackers and you created overloads on different parts of the pitch, right? Which we exploit later. And the way that Liverpool interplayed out in the back, I think, was the indication of the intensity of this tie and the tactical sophistication of both of the coaches. And there's another moment I want to mention is this thing about um, Trent Alexander-Arnold. A lot of comment again about, um, oh, he doesn't defend so well. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Here's the thing, right? Footballers play out from the back, like Liverpool and like Inter, because the gaps for playmaking do not exist up the field yet. And the reason mm. why you put the best playmaker in a deep-lying position like Trent Alexander-Arnold is because that is where the most gaps are for the playmaking. His primary job is not defending. His secondary job is not defending. He is specifically there to make the play. And his defensive job, the right-back job for someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, is divided up, I would say. like His normal defensive duties are divided up among maybe like two or three other players. And I'm not saying that out of disrespect to his abilities. He can defend reasonably well, but it is not his primary job in that, in that team. The moment you see that is the moment you begin to understand just how brilliant he is in this Liverpool team. There is a pass he plays to Diogo Jota in the second half that almost blew me away. It's very simple. It looks simple. He's in the um, inside right position, as usual, and he plays this gorgeous pass to Jota. And when he plays it, Jota is not fully in sight yet because he's cutting behind a defender and the ball arrives at the very last minute. Jota's there, hits it, Handanovic palms it away. It's absolutely incredible. And I thought to myself, like the weight, the weight of passing, what Trent does the entire game, the orchestration. And then Franklin, as I mentioned on Twitter, like when you've got Mo Salah tracking in a right back position, like late in the game, then you're like, well, Klopp's made some very advanced tactical choices here. He's doing that because he said to to Salah the entire game, look, now and again, you will have to track because Trent's going to go and wander, which is what Trent does so well. And that's the main reason why why, why Liverpool won this game. If I was Mo Salah though, I would have turned around to Jurgen Klopp and be like, 
Gaffer. Because he probably, even number. though he's Egyptian <laughs> and it's a German manager, he probably called him Gaffer because everyone seems to call everyone Gaffer in the Premier League. It's like, Gaffer, I've just been to AFCON, man. Like, can you just <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking give, give Luis Diaz my fucking job? He's, he's well younger than me. Can you I be honest I mean? with and you? And he's not been anywhere. Can I be honest with you about going into AFCON? Senegal Sadio turned up. He did. By Senegal, Senegal Sadio, because Senegal Sadio makes us suffer before he succeeds. So, <laughs> but he got taken off after an hour. And I imagine he when he went off, like Mo Salah was just like, oh, what, what, what about me? What, 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 what about me? Exactly. <laughs> but, it was a, but it was a bloody good job he didn't go off. Yes. If Simone Inzaghi could have a do-over, I mm. think he would make those subs earlier. He made one sub in the 70th minute, Alexis Sanchez coming on for Lautaro Martinez. Mm. didn't make any of the subs until the 87th minute. And by then, game's kind of done. I think that if you look at when Liverpool made their substitutions, Firmino coming on at halftime for Jota, three substitutions, Diaz, Henderson and Cater all coming on at the hour mark. Yes. That allowed Liverpool to weather the storm a little bit because there was a point, actually, when Liverpool scored, I felt like the most likely team to score was going to be Inter. Yeah, yeah. Because they just seemed to really be turning the screw. But then Liverpool's energy having made those substitutions quite proactively, yes, allowed them to take the game away from Inter. And they kind of like, I think it was a, I think this is a really, really, really good result for Liverpool. Really good. Because also the disrespect that was flying around about Inter from British coverage. People that don't watch much Serie A. Well, this is the problem with the Champions League. When stuff comes back like this, you can just tell. Like, for example, like Arturo Vidal has only started, I think, two league games this season, right? Yes. He started more in the Champions League than he has in, in the league for Inter. And bless him, like he tried his best. But at one point, I was watching him being like, Arturo Vidal still thinks it's 2015. And yeah, it's yeah. really yeah, yeah, not, he does, man. he does, like, he does. And he's barely completed a 90 minutes this season, Arturo Vidal. Yeah. And one thing that Inter missed so much, Barella. They missed Barella so much in this game. Because, yes. for example, if you had Barella starting... And you could bring on Vidal for someone around the 70 minute mark if you need it. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different Can thing. Can I say like this Barilla as well? Is such, Barilla is such a key player for them. And um, while they did really well into to, to hold Liverpool at bay, they also could have done better going forward. Like Liverpool's opener was the first shot on target all game. One point in defensive inter, one point in criticism. So one point in defensive inter, their bench, Ryan, is not full of game-changing players. With the exception of, I say, Alexis Sanchez, that bench is not a game-changing bench. And this is maybe what I think Inzaghi realised. You know, we can hang tough with them. We make the changes late, but he's not, you're not looking at, with all respect to Inter, you're not looking at those, those game-changers there, right? That's a challenge for them. In criticism of Inter, I would say that at one point I tweeted, like, you know, find someone that loves you, like Inter love, a switch and a counter. Right, because that became a thing where they made that very clear what they were doing. We've got like these five across we've got these five across midfield, we'll hit a switch. And it and was we'll a, cut it. it was absolutely a five as well. That's the thing. Yeah, it was it. absolutely five, yeah. We'll hit a switch and we'll counter now. That thing the first couple of times that looked like it was promising, but then like Liverpool got a good look at it and it was game over after that. And it was very interesting mm. that Thiago was so prominent throughout. Because there is a player defensively underrated but his ability in those small space the congested spaces this thing if you're if you're outmatched by a man in midfield and you're in those tight spaces the player you want to reduce that gap the player that you want you to feel like you've got an extra man there is Thiago mm. 
The touch he hit one pass in the first half that was absolutely unbelievable. They seemed to get it was it was a really long pass from like almost like the deep, deep kind of left of center position, and he pinged it cross field. It's unbelievable. And it was one of those passes that seemed to get better the, with more of the as the trajectory went on. Like the commentator on the zone was just like, <laughs> ooh, 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 yeah, it was really like, oh, oh. oh. wow, like it was incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think I think this is a really, really good result for Liverpool, especially considering yeah. how the game played out. And they they weren't great for seventy odd minutes. And I think to come away from that with a two 0 win is massive for them. And they deserve loads of credit because. This interside can really hurt you if you're not on your game. And Liverpool weren't massively on their game for the first hour or so. To get away with that and then come away 2-0 is huge for them. They only lost, was it Neil Atkinson at the Anfield Rap? Shout out to them, great podcast. Neil Atkinson pointed out they've only lost two games all season. Yeah, it's mad. They've drawn six in the league. That's it. They've just drawn a few games. They shouldn't, and that's it. They've, li- they've, been, they've been brilliant. Is the first English side to win all of their Champions League group stages games. They're, ever. they're ridiculous. They're yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Let's quickly go to La Liga because Atletico Madrid nil, Levante won. Levante, who are bottom of La Liga, this was their first away win of the season. And I tweeted, it was unbelievable yet utterly believable because Atleti really don't like playing Levante. They drew in Levante earlier on in the season. They lost at home at the Wanda last season, 2-0 to Levante. They drew the game before that. They've not beaten Levante since June 2020. They seem to really struggle against them. I mean, mm. to be honest, they, they seem to struggle against everyone at the moment. Atleti. Right, yeah. Atleti at the moment is such a struggle, DeZone didn't even bother assigning a German commentator to them. <laughs> oh my God. Seriously, you only really ever see the La Liga kind of world feed stuff on zone when it's like I don't know maybe like Elche Elche Levante or something like that right this is a game at the Wanda and I know it's Champions League night whatever but you know still Graham Hunter thought it was really he said on commentary that he thought it was really harsh and I actually thought it wasn't I thought it was it was debatable yes but there is a there is a nudge there there is a kind of like a, a bit of a push and I know that the, the, I can't remember who the Levante defender was and they definitely sold it, but Atleti only had one shot on target against the side bottom of the table. Grim times there. Could have been two, you know. There was one, uh, there, was, there was like a half, uh, a volley from about 45 yards out. I can't remember who hit it. Off the bar. It came off late, the bar. Late, late. Just after gorgeous the goal effort, had been Gorgeous effort, gorgeous effort. That was their free hit, really. Now Barcelona are in pole position because Barcelona are level on points with Atleti and they've got a game in hand on them. But the weirdest thing in this game, something I've never, ever seen before. Mark Pubel was going to come on for Levante as a substitute and he was the, the fourth official was doing the checks and stuff and he pulls up his like shorts and he's got red boxes on. You can't see them under the shorts. They're not like cycling shorts or anything. They're just like pants. Mm. The fourth official wouldn't let him come on. He sent him away. Levante had to bring on a different player because they literally sent him to the dressing room to change his pants. So he didn't come on? No. It's the first time I've ever seen this. To be honest with you. I don't think that's in the rules though. You don't have to have the same colour underpants as your shorts. I feel sorry for him on a footballing level. On a footballing I feel sorry, but on a societal level, he was on thin ice, Ryan. He's not a professional wrestler. What are you wearing red underwear for? If you're not a professional wrestler, why are you wearing red underwear? Maybe he was doing a podcast. <laughs> oh, there we go. A peek behind the veil. No, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I've got 
I'm not talking about my pants on podcast. No, it's private. <laughs> I'm wearing some stripy boxes. There you go. Raunchy. <laughs> Goodness me. Oh, God. Oof, oof. <laughs> Calm down, everyone. Um, <laughs> Listen, that's as raunchy as it gets this podcast. There we go. Moving on. Anyway, yeah. Um, so that's, that's a really bad loss for Atleti. But Simeone sits there and looks at the results over the course of season. Not only the results, but the way in which they've been achieved or in this case, not achieved. I wonder if he starts thinking, can I really push this forward like I want to? And that sounds dramatic, but do you know what? I, you know, I want for him more than anything. I want him to just sit on a beach somewhere. Yeah, I want, I want and him enjoy to enjoy it. I want, I, want, I want this man to have a rest. I want this man to have a rest. It sounds awful to say it, but like, I want this man to just have a rest, actually, Simeone, because I don't know if he's been able to enjoy what he's done for Atleti he hasn't had time to sit back and enjoy it because he's not the kind of person that does that. But he's been there eleven years, ne- eleven years nearly. He's fifty-one. <sighs> he's been there since he was forty, and like I, yeah, and I, I don't want to sound like the emotional yeah. energy that he has unleashed on that. I don't want to sound like a doom monger. I just want, I just want him to freshen up, whatever form that takes. If that's in the job, if it's out of the job, but I want him to freshen up a bit because I think that that is, that's that's kind of like that's being infused with the players as well. Anyway, anyway. That's um, my elsewhere, very quickly, Manchester United beat Brighton 2-0 at Old Trafford. Good Great that. goal from Cristiano Ronaldo, his first goal of 2022. Very good finish. And actually, Bruno Fernandes' goal was so good. Lovely finish, the dummy. It was so good, man. It was a proper training ground goal. Yes. But like individual training ground goal, you know. There's a couple of those. There was a great dummy that he sells to the keeper, the Brighton keeper. There's a great dummy that Foden sells, actually, the sporting keeper. Yeah. Uh, for his goal, the near post, it's a very sort of subtle one, but he just sort of drops the shoulder and it creates the space. There's a couple of nice, nice little finishes we've seen. Did you think the red card was fair? Yeah, I did. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I thought so. I don't think there should be any complaints with the red card or with the result, I think, overall in this one. Jaden Sancho showing signs of life, looking good, looking good. Um, good player, man. Coming, yeah, coming into He's zone. a very good player. And Manchester United up to fourth. They've played a game more than Chelsea and Liverpool ahead of them, while Chelsea ahead of them on 43 points. West Ham played the same on 41. Arsenal have got three games in hand on West Ham and Manchester United and are four points behind Manchester United. Wars behind them. It's very, very, very tight in that race. We talked about it on Riot's house and I I got in trouble. Really? (laughs) Right, he told me off. I'm just looking at our predictions. Champions League. Ah. I'm looking all right. You're looking a little bit ropey. You know what? Let's move on. We shouldn't do it in the past, Ryan. We shouldn't do it in the past. But you never know. Let's see how it is next week. I predicted 1-0 PSG, didn't I? That was it. 1-0 PSG. <laughs> Should we save it? I'm going to save it. Did I go for a big hot take? Did I, go for, did I swing for the fence? Because I can't help myself. <laughs> all right. Should we, should we bounce? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. We're good. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well, getting vaccinated if you can, obviously, getting that boost if you can. Don't forget to check Riot's House if you haven't checked it already. Check the ringer.com forward slash soccer uh, if you want to sign up for the Stadio newsletter. It's going out every few weeks at the moment. Stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. We don't pass it on to anyone. It's just for us to send you emails. Stadio Archers players on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on Insight Fantasy featuring Ashea. Anything you want to add, Musa? Nothing further. <laughs> All hot taked out. Lovely. In that case, let's get out of here. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Much love. We'll be back on Monday. See you then. See you then. Hold up. 
I'm 